Section 3 of Our Lady of the Pillar by S. G. Queiroish, translated by Edgar Prestage. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. So he reached the Calvary, where the road split into two roads, more closely joined than the prongs of a fork, both cutting through the pine wood. Bearing his head before the image of the crucified, Don Rui had a moment of anguish, because he did not remember which of them led to Gallows Hill. He had already plunged into the gloomier of the two, when, from between the silent pines, a light appeared dancing in the darkness. It was an old woman in rags, with long flowing tresses bent over a staff, and carrying a lamp. "'Where does this road lead to?' shouted Hui. The old woman swung her lamp higher up to observe the night. "'To Zarama!' The light and the old woman immediately disappeared, melting away into the shade, as if they had risen up there only to warn the knight of his mistaken road. He had already turned back with a dash, and rounding the calvary, he galloped along the other and wider road, until, over the brightness of the sky, he caught sight of the black pillars and black beams of Gallows Hill. Then he stayed motionless, erect in his stirrups, on a tall, bare hill without either grass or heather, connected by a low wall full of breaches the four pillars of granite rose up black and enormous in the yellow moonlight looking like the four corners of a ruined house upon the pillars rested four stout beams from the beams were suspended four hanged men black and rigid in the still dumb air all around seemed dead as they fat birds of prey slept perched upon the beams beyond the dead water of the ladies lagoon shone livid and in the heavens the moon was growing large and full don Rui murmured the pater noster due from every christian to those guilty souls then he urged on his horse and passed by when in the immense silence and the immense solitude a voice rose and resounded, a voice that called him supplicating and slow. Knight, stay you, come hither. Don Hui drew rein sharply, and standing in his stirrups, cast his astonished eyes over all that ominous wilderness. All he saw was the rough hill, the still shining water, the beams, the dead men. He thought it must have been an illusion of the night, or the daring of some wandering demon, and calmly spurred his horse, without alarm or haste, as if he were in a street in Segovia. But, behind him, the voice came again, and more urgently called him, with anxiety, almost with affliction. Wait, night, do not go on, return, come here. Don Rui pulled up again, and turning in his saddle, boldly gazed at the four bodies suspended from the beams. The voice sounded from their direction, and being human, could only issue from a human form. One of these hanged men, then, had called him, with all that haste and anxiety. Did there remain in any, by God's wonderful mercy, breath and life? 
or was it that, a still greater marvel, one of those half-putrefied carcasses detained him to transmit him warnings from beyond the grave. But whether the voice proceeded from a living breast or a dead breast, it would be great cowardice to go off as in a fright without attending to it and listening. He immediately drove his trembling horse into the middle of the hill, and stopping, erect and calm, with his hand at his side, cried, after steadfastly gazing at the four suspended bodies, one by one, Which of you hanged men dared to call for Don Rui de Cardenas? Then the one who had his back to the full moon replied from the top of the cord, very quietly and naturally, like a man talking from his window to the street. It was I, sir. Don Rui drove his horse forward. He could not distinguish the man's face, which was buried in his breast and hidden by his long, black, falling tresses. All he saw was that his hands were free and unbound, and also his bare feet, which were already withered and the color of bitumen. What do you want of me? The hangman sighed and murmured, Do me the great favor, sir, to cut the cord by which I am suspended. Don Rui snatched his sword and with a sure blow cut the half-rotten cord. With a sinister sound of clashing bones, the body fell on the ground, and lay stretched out there for a moment, but immediately righted itself on its ill-secure and still sleeping feet, and raised towards Don Rui a dead face, which was a skull, with the skin tightly glued to it, and more yellow than the moon that beat upon it. The eyes showed neither movement nor light. The two lips grinned in a stony smile. From the whitest of teeth issued the point of a very black tongue. Don Rui displayed neither terror nor loathing, but calmly sheathing his sword asked, Art thou alive or dead? The man slowly contracted his shoulders. Sir, I know not. Who knows what is life? Who knows what is death? But what do you want of me? With his long, fleshless fingers, the hangman enlarged the knot of the cord that still encircled his neck, and said very calmly and firmly, Sir, I must go with you to Cabil, whither you are going. The knight started so sharply in his astonishment, pulling back the reins, that his good horse reared up as if struck by the same fright. With me, to Cabril? The man bent his spine, displaying all the bones, sharper than the teeth of a saw, through a long rent in his tammy shirt. Sir, he prayed, deny me not, for I shall receive a great reward if I do you a great service. Then it suddenly occurred to Don Rui that that might well be some dreadful trick of the demon, and fixing his piercing eyes on the dead face, which was upraised to him, anxiously awaiting his consent, he slowly made a large sign of the cross. The hanged man bent his knees with startled reverence. Why do you try me with that sign, sir? By it alone we obtain remission, and from it alone I hope for mercy. Then Don Rui thought that, if that man was not sent by the demon, he might well be sent by God, and so straightway, devoutly, with a gesture of submission in which he abandoned all to heaven, he consented, and accepted his awful companion. Come with me then to Cabril, 
if God sends you, but I shall ask you no questions, and you must ask none of me. He took his horse down the road, all lighted up by the moon. The hangman followed at his side, with such airy steps that, even when Don Hui galloped, he kept touching his stirrup, as if he were borne along by a silent wind. Now and then, to breathe freely, he pulled back the knot of the cord that was twisted round his neck, and as they were passing between hedges, where the scent of wild flowers was wafted about, the man murmured with extraordinary relief and delight, How good it is to run! Don Rui was filled with amazement and a torment of care. He understood clearly now that that was a corpse, revived by God, for a strange and hidden service. But why did God give him such a terrible companion? To protect him? To prevent Dona Leonor, beloved of heaven for her piety, from falling into mortal sin? But had the Lord no angels left in heaven, that he must needs employ a man who had paid the death penalty on so divine a mission of such high favor? Ah, how gladly would he turn his horse toward Segovia, were it not for a knight's gallant loyalty, his pride in never turning back, and his submission to the orders of God which he felt weigh upon him. From a high part of the road they suddenly caught sight of Cabril, and the towers of the Franciscan convent showing white in the moonlight, and the farmhouses sleeping among the gardens. Very silently, with never a dog barking behind the gates or from the top of the walls, they descended to the old Roman bridge. In front of the calvary, the hangman fell on his knees on the flags, lifted up the livid bones of his hands, and remained a long time in prayer, now and again heaving a deep sigh. Afterwards, as they entered the narrow lane, he drank much, and took comfort from a spring that ran and sang under the branches of a willow tree. As the path was very narrow, he walked in front of the knight, his whole body bent, and his arms firmly crossed over his breast, and made not a sound. The moon was mounting high in the heavens, and Don Hui gazed with bitterness on that full and lustrous disk which shed such indiscreet brightness all around on his secret. Ha! Ah, how the night that should have been a divine one was being spoiled! An immense moon was coming out from between the mountains to lighten up everything. A hanged man descended from the gibbet to follow him and know all. God had so ordained it, but how sad for him to reach the sweet door, sweetly promised, with such an intruder by his side, under that brilliantly clear sky. The hangman pulled up sharply and raised his arm, from which his sleeve hung in tatters. It was the end of the lane which opened out into a wider and more beaten road, and in front of them the lengthy wall of the Lord of Lara's Quinta showed white, with its belvedere and little stone balconies, the whole covered with ivy. Sir, murmured the hangman, respectfully holding Don Hui's stirrup, the gate by which you must enter the garden is only a few paces from this belvedere. It is best you should leave your horse here, tied to a tree, if you think you can safely trust it, for in the business we are undertaking, the mere sound of our footsteps is too much. Don Hui dismounted silently and fastened his horse, 
which he knew to be faithful and sure, to the trunk of a poplar tree. And so submissive had he become to that companion imposed by God, that, without further consideration, he followed him, touching the wall beaten by the moonlight. The hangman advanced now with leisurely caution, on bare tiptoe, watching the top of the wall, scrutinizing the blackness of the hedge, and stopping to listen for noises which only he perceived, for Don Hui had never known a night more deeply asleep and dumb. And the sphere in one who should have been indifferent to human perils slowly filled the brave knight also with so deep a distrust that he took his dagger from its sheath, folded his cloak round his arm, and walked on guard with his eyes flashing as if he were in a place of ambushes and strife. In this manner they arrived at a low door, which the hangman pushed, and which opened without a creak of the hinges. They penetrated into a walk, on either side of which were thick yews, up to a tank full of water, where leaves of water-lilies floated, which was surrounded by rude stone seats, covered by boughs of flowering shrubs. "'That way,' murmured the hanged man, extending his withered arm. It was an avenue beyond the tank, vaulted over and darkened by dense and ancient trees. They went down it like shadows in the shade, the hangman in front, Don Rui following, very cleverly, without brushing a branch, and scarcely touching the sand with his feet. A slight thread of water purled among the lawns, and climbing roses grew up the tree trunks, and gave a sweet smell. Don Rui's heart began again to beat with loving hope. Hush! uttered the hanged man. Don Rui almost stumbled over the sinister creature, who stopped short, with arms outstretched like the bars of a gate. In front of them, four stone steps mounted to a terrace, where the light was full without a shadow. Crouching down, they clambered up the steps, and at the end of a treeless garden full of well-fashioned flower-beds, edged by a short box, they espied one side of the house, beaten by the full moon. In the middle, between the breast-high windows which were closed, a stone balcony, with pots of basil at the corners, had its glass windows open wide. The room inside was blotted out, and made a dark gap in the bright façade bathed by the moonlight. And leaning against the balcony was a ladder with rungs of cord. Then the hangman sharply pushed Don Rui away from the steps into the darkness of the avenue, and there, in a pressing manner, dominating the knight, exclaimed, Sir, it is best that you should give me your hat and cloak now. Stay you, very still, here in the darkness of these trees, and I will go and mount that ladder and peep at that room, and, if it be as you desire, I will return here, and God make you happy. Don Rui recoiled in horror at the idea of such a creature mounting to that window. He stamped his foot and cried quietly, No, by God! But the hand of the hanged man, livid in the darkness, roughly tore his hat from his head and pulled his cloak from his arm, and now he covered himself, now he wrapped himself up, murmuring in anxious supplication, Don't deny it me, sir for if I do you a great service, I shall gain a great reward. And he climbed the steps. He was on the broad, illuminated terrace. Don Rui, 
dazed, went up and watched. And, oh, wonderful! That man was himself, Don Rui, all himself, and figure and gait, as he advanced between the flower-beds and the short-box, lightly and gracefully, with his hand on his girdle, his face lifted, smiling towards the window, and the long scarlet plume of his hat swaying in triumph. The man went forward through the splendid moonlight. The chamber of love was there, waiting, open and dark. Don Rui gazed with flashing eyes, and trembled with amazement and anger. The man had reached the ladder. He unwound his cloak, and set his foot on the cord rung. Oh, there he's going up, the villain, roared Don Rui. The hangman went up, and now the tall figure, which was his, Don Ruiz, was halfway up the ladder, and made a black patch against the white wall. He stopped. No, he had not stopped. He mounted. He reached the top. Now he had carefully rested his knee on the rounded edge of the balcony. Don Rui gazed despairingly, with his eyes, his soul, and all his being, and lo, suddenly a black figure rises out of the dark room a furious voice shouts villain villain and the blade of a dagger rises and falls and again rises shines again and comes down and once more shines and once more is driven in like a bundle the hanged man falls heavily from the top of the ladder onto the soft earth the glass windows and doors of the balcony are immediately shut to with a crash, and there is nothing more but the silence, the gentle calm, and the moon high up and round in the summer sky. In a flash, Don Rui had comprehended the treason, drawn his sword and retreated to the darkness of the avenue, when, oh wonder, the hangman appears running across the terrace, seizes his leave, and cries to him, To horse her, and let us be off, for the meeting was not one of love, but of death. They both descend the avenue at full speed, hug the tank under the protection of the flowering shrubs, plunge into the narrow walk edged with yews, pierce the gate, and stop for a moment, out of breath in the road, where the moon, now fuller and more refulgent, turned night into day. And then, only then, did Don Rui discover that the hangman still had the dagger nailed in his breast up to the guard, while the point, shining smooth and clean, issued from his back? But immediately the terrible man pushed and hurried him. To horse, sir, and let us be off, for treason is still upon us. Terror struck, and burning to close that adventure full of miracles and horrors, Don Rui plucked up the reins and rode off full tilt and straightway, in great haste. The hangman leapt also onto the crupper of the faithful horse. The good knight shivered all over at feeling the contact with his back of that dead body which had been hanged from a gibbet and pierced through by a dagger. With what despair he galloped then along the endless road. But violent as was his career, the hangman neither moved to one side or the other, but sat rigid on the crupper like a statue on a pedestal, and Don Rui felt each moment a more freezing cold congealing his shoulders as if he bore on them a sack full of ice. As he passed the Calvary, he murmured, Lord, aid me. 
past the calvary he gave a sudden tremble in the fancied fear that his funereal companion would remain with him forever and that he was destined to gallop over the world in an eternal night bearing a dead man on his crupper and he could not contain himself but shouted behind him in the wind that struck them like a switch in their career whither do you wish me to take you the hangman leaning his body so much against don rui that he hurt him with the hilt of the dagger whispered sir it is expedient you should leave me on the hill it was a sweet and immeasurable relief for the good knight for the hill was near and its pillars and black beams could already be discerned in the pale light soon the trembling horse came to a stand white with foam and immediately the hangman noiselessly slid down from the crupper and bearing up don rui's stirrup like a good attendant his school uplifted and his black tongue put further out from between his white teeth he murmured in respectful supplication sir do me now the great favour to hang me once again from my beam don rui trembled with horror for god's sake i hang you the man sighed opening his long arms sir it is god's will and hers who is dearest to god thereupon in resignation and submission to the commands of the most high don rui dismounted and began to follow the man as he mounted pensively towards the hill bending his back from which the shining point of the dagger came sticking out they both stopped under the empty beam round about the other beams hung the other carcasses the silence was sadder and more deep than other earthly silences the water in the lagoon had grown black the moon was descending and waning don rui contemplated the beam where the piece of cord he had cut with his sword was left short in the air how am i to hang you he exclaimed i cannot reach that piece of cord with my hand nor can i hoist you up there by myself sir replied the man here in a corner there ought to be a long roll of cord you will tie one end of it to this knot i have on my neck the other end you will throw over the beam and then if you pull you will with your strength easily be able to hang me again both men bending down and walking slowly looked for the roll of cord and it was the hangman who found and unrolled it then don rui took off his gloves and taught by the man who had learned his lesson well from the executioner he tied one end of the cord to the noose the man had on his neck and vigorously threw the other end which undulated in the air passed over the beam and remained suspended close to the ground driving in his feet and tightening his arms the bold knight pulled and hoisted the man until he was there suspended and black in the ear like a natural hangman among the others are you right as you are slow and sinking came the voice of the dead man sir i am as i ought to be then to make him fast don rui twisted the cord in stout knots to the stone pillar and removing his hat and wiping with the back of his hand the sweat that covered him he contemplated his sinister and miraculous companion the latter was already rigid as before with his face hanging down under his falling tresses and his feet stiffened and the whole of him was smooth and worm-eaten like an ancient carcass the dagger was still nailed in his breast and above 
two crows slept quietly. Now, what more do you want? asked Don Rui, beginning to put on his gloves. From above, the hangman murmured in a low voice, Sir, I earnestly beg you now that, when you reach Segovia, you tell everything faithfully to our Lady of the Pillar, your godmother, for I expect great favor from her for my soul in exchange for this service that at her command has been done you by my body. Then Don Rui de Cardenas understood all, and devoutly kneeling on the ground of sorrow and death, said a long prayer for that good hanged man. Afterwards he galloped toward Segovia. The morning was growing light when he passed through the gate of St. Morris, and the clear bells were ringing for matins in the pure air. Entering into the church of Our Lady of the Pillar, still in disarray after his terrible journey, Don Rui, prostrate before the altar, told his divine godmother of the wicked design that had taken him to Cabril, and the help he had received from heaven, and with warm tears of repentance and gratitude, swore to her that he would never more set his desire in the way of sin, nor open his heart to thoughts that came from the world and from evil. End of section 3